Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Amen. And amen. Well, it's so good to have you at church today. Anybody excited to be in this building? Come on, has it gotten old yet? Have you gotten used to it yet? I told my my staff on Monday, I said, the greatest fear is not that we, my greatest fear is not that we lose this building. So my greatest fear is that I lose the awe that this building creates while I'm here. I never want to walk into this place and not be in awe of what God did. If you're not careful, amazing things over time become average things. If you're not careful, the miracles in your life become mundane things. Do you remember the first time you saw your baby, if you have babies? Do you remember the miracle you thought that they were? I emphasize stop. Because when they come out not talking back to you, when they come out not asking for money, when they come out with no grades, good or bad, You look at them and you go, you're amazing. I love you. You're a miracle. Wow, how could this even have happened? I looked at my wife and I go, how did we make such a beautiful creation? This is beautiful. Fast forward nine years and I'm like, I can't even look at you right now. I can't even, are you serious right now? What are you, why did you just just throw your brother in the bathtub like that? I can't with you right now. And over time, amazing things become average things. Miracles become mundane things. Never walk into this space not in awe of God, not in awe of what he can do. Unless you're new. If you're new to this church, then you just thought, oh, these guys have always been here. This is amazing. But you don't know the story. And as I look around and I see people who are with us in coffee shops and living rooms and and online in studios and to know that God has brought us here is a testament to his goodness, his mercy, his faithfulness, and he always keeps his promises. If God has kept a promise to you, Say amen. Amen. Good. Needed to remind those who are still waiting on God to fulfill his that he always does. Amen. Thank you for your patience with us in this building as we continually renovate it. As you can see, the letters on the front of the building have come down. And yeah, I'm glad you're excited about that. That's awesome. And then one day, we don't know that we'll put some new letters up there that will say Journey Church and... Uh, our bathrooms are still in the process of being renovated as well. So we know guys are up there. But we have this awesome bathroom on the first floor that's almost done. And, and uh, I, I, like, I like this, though. I, we could have opened. We'll have a grand opening in August for the community when everything is done done. But I like that you get to see this along the way. Because to me, it's a picture of what God does in your life. Sometimes he will open up the doors before you're ready. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And he'll be like, all right, now we're going to work on your bathroom. Don't get nasty. I don't mean it any other way. I just like, sometimes you're going to work on the stinky stuff in your life. <laughs> Preachers, we spiritualize everything. And then I'm going to work on this room in your life. And then I'm going to work on that room in your life. When God opens your life, when you give your life to Jesus, you are not fully renovated on the day you give your life to him. Did you know that? When you give your life to Jesus, that's when the renovations begin. So you just tell all your critics, I'm just not done yet. God has not gotten to that room yet. But I believe he's a good contractor. Amen? He's a good interior designer. Amen? Amen. Well, if you've been with us uh, in this series, we have been in a series these last four weeks 
on a, a sermon series called If the Bible is True. Have you been enjoying this sermon series, If the Bible is True? I hope you have. I have to be honest, I wasn't sure that you would um, because for a lot of people, the Bible is this dead, uh, ancient book. And I just came to tell you over the four weeks that I believe is, is so much more than that the impact it can have on your life. And I love God, and I love God on Sundays, but I don't just want to see God on Sundays. I want to see God in my life on Mondays. I want to see him in my life on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. And one of the best ways to have a relationship with God throughout the week is to have a relationship with God's word throughout the week, to have a conversation with him daily. He thinks that he wants to share with you and speak with you. So I really hope, I mean, if you were to ask me, uh, Pastor JJ, what was your hope? going into this message, as we close out the series today, I would say that my hope was and still is and remains that you would have developed a love affair with the Word of God, a passion for it, a desire to read it and really appreciate it and want to be in it and around it and seek to discover it and learn it. And I hope that you've uh, developed that. And if not, I hope that God will use today's message to help you uh, develop that. More than just encouraging you, we want to encourage you to learn to study your Bible as well, which is why we created a web page called journeyorl.com forward slash Bible. And if you're taking notes, you can write that down. It's really easy. It's our website and then the word Bible at the end of it. And it's a web page designed to help you study the Bible. The Bible is not meant to be eaten quickly. Like it's not like, you know, like I'm on a diet right now and, and my wife always gets on me because I eat so slow. But I'm like, when you have only a limited amount of carbohydrates, <laughs> you savor every carbohydrate. You just chew on it and chew on it and chew on it so you can really get the most out of it. That's what the word of God is in our life. It was designed to be chewed. It's designed to be thought about and meditated on. And so you don't just read it, you actually study it. And, uh, and don't think of studying like homework, like not fun. Like, no, like it'll change your life. And so I pray that you get into it. I, I want to give you a recap of where we've been. If you're just joining us today, I want to give you a recap. By the way, if you're just joining us, that means you're a first-time guest. <laughs> My name's JJ, if you didn't know that. My wife and I are the lead pastors of this church, and we want to welcome you to church today. Journey Church, put your hands together. Welcome all of our first-time guests. Thank you so much. Keep it going for Journey Church Online. What's up, Journey Church Online? We love you. In week one of the series, we talked about how if the Bible is true, and it is true, and we talked about how it's true scientifically and historically, and there are facts and all of that, then it can be your foundation. What do we mean that it's your foundation? That means you can trust it. You can put your weight on it, and it won't break. You can build your life on it, and you can hide on it when the storms of life come. A lot of people need evidence to believe in the Bible. But when we talked about that on week one, we talked about it doesn't matter what evidence you have, because in the court, everybody gets the same evidence. It's who the jury chooses to believe. And so you've got evidence coming at you from all sides, but you have to choose to trust. And when you choose to trust the Bible, you no longer require just basic evidence because you'll have the evidence of experience. After you put your life on it, you'll realize that it works. Then we talked about how if the Bible is true, it should cut you. And if you're new to, to church or new to, I don't mean cut you like if you talk to me like that one more time, I will cut you. That's not what I mean. We talked about how the Bible is not a psycho with a knife trying to kill you, but he is a surgeon with a scalpel trying to save you because there are some things inside of you that are not good for you that he did not put in you. 
Those things came from you from maybe bad parents or parents who meant well, but it was what they inherited. Or a society, that's what their culture has inherited. Or that's what you inherited from celebrities or friends or bad relationships and bad boyfriends and ex-husbands and ex-wives. And, and what the Word of God does is that it x-rays your body and it sees everything that does not align with God's desire for your life. And it says, hey, I know this is going to hurt. I know this is going to change your plans a little bit, but I got to cut inside. I got to pull that out because if you leave this in you, it will kill you. That's what the Bible does. And then last week, we got rowdy in church. Last week, we talked about how the Bible, if it's true, is your defense. And we said that if the devil's going to hit you, you better believe you can hit him back. Hit him back. And that was the message. We talked about how the word of God is your weapon. Weapon. You heard that, Pastor Joey? Weapon. Pastor Joey adds H's to his W's, and we love it. We love it. We love it at our staff. I don't even know that age belongs after that, but I did it. Weapon. It's your weapon against demons and devils and spirits. And we talked about how in life, a lot of times we think we're fighting people, but we're not actually fighting people. We're fighting spirits. And if we don't defeat the spirit or learn how to fight the spirit, we'll fight the same spirit in different people in different places. And the reason why a lot of men and women are fighting with lust as adults is because nobody taught us how to fight it as teenagers. And it just kind of carries into our life over and over. And so when we learn how to identify what the real problem is, that there is some type of paradigm thought, some type of, of, of wickedness behind all the facade that we need to get at. And we can fight it. You don't have to sit back and let the enemy take all the things that matter to you away from you. You can punch. You can kick. You can bite. All the moves are fair when you're fighting the spiritual fight. And today we're going to close out talking about how if the Bible is true, then that means you have clarity. You have clarity. If you have a Bible, you can turn to the book of Psalms chapter 119. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. We're going to throw the verse on the screen behind me and you can read along with me. Psalms chapter 119 verse 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my way. The title of today's message is Clear the Way. Clear the way. I want you to find three people. Tell them, clear the way. Clear the way. Clear the way. All right, talk back to me this morning. Have you ever worried that you were making the wrong choice? And if not, how do you know if you are making the right one? If you're like me, sometimes you can have difficulty making decisions. You are what I call choice challenged. You drive up to Starbucks and there is an advertisement for a brand new drink. And that announcement has absolutely ruined your day. Because up until that moment, that very moment, you knew exactly what you were going to order. But now that there's a new drink, you're in a dilemma. Because them Starbucks drinks are expensive, you can't just buy two. You could blow your whole kid's college savings just ordering venties. They could just mess you up. And, and so you're like, I don't know, this drink looks so good, but $6 is $6. And if I don't like it, it's not like I'm in the drive-thru right now. I can't just come back and get another one. I'm going to be stuck with this drink I don't like. And I wasted $6. So do I go with the new drink or do I go with my, my go-to? She's been faithful my whole, my whole life. What, what do I do? Or maybe you are a woman in the house today and you have been noticing that there is a trend 
of curly hair going around. And you used to have curly hair, but then you straightened your hair, and now you're wrestling with whether or not you should go back to curly hair. And you're not really certain because it's not like you can have straight hair on Monday, curly hair on Tuesday, straight hair on Wednesday, because then the ends will get all burnt. And so you have to really... You got to really... You got to really figure out what you want to do because it's a commitment. If you're going to go curly hair, you got to get all the curly hair products. You got to buy the diffuser. You got you to follow all the curly hair uh, influencers on social media. You, it's, a, it's, a, it's a commitment going in that curly. So I don't know. What do I do? If, if you're a guy, you know our version of this is not the curly hair. It's the beard. It used to be. Do I grow out a beard or do I shave? Now it's like if I'm going to grow out the beard, what kind of beard, at what length am I going for here? Am I clean or am I, am I going lumberjack? What am I doing? Or maybe I'll really mix it up and I'm going to bring back the goatee. I'm bringing back the goatee, bringing back the mustache, the bar handle one. <laughs> if you are in church today and you have a bar handle mustache, you're a trendsetter. God bless you. And, <laughs> or maybe the question we've all, all really been struggling with today, the temptation we've all been facing, do I finally give in and buy a pair of Crocs? Do I, do I do it? Because I've been, I've been, I've been watching, I've been watching and on all the award shows and all of my favorite celebrities, they're all wearing Crocs, and, but I just know with my luck, the moment I buy a pair, they're going to be out of style. I know it. I'm going to be the only idiot at the mall with Crocs. Everybody else has moved on to like Uptowns or Timberlands or something like that or falling behind stylistically. And <laughs> you know, as stressful as these situations can be, unfortunately, not every decision that we faced in life carries consequences that are so, or I should say, as returnable or reversible. There are some other decisions we make in life whose consequences are a little bit longer lasting. Decisions like, should I get the vaccine or should I not? Decisions like, should I save up all the money? Should I use all the money that I've been saving up to put a down payment on a house now that the interest rates are so low? Or do I use it and put it into Bitcoin now that it's crashed? <laughs> what is the best use of, of my money? And it seems like the younger you are, the more weight each decision carries. So like if you're younger, you're like, what school do I go to? Because if I go to the wrong school, I might study the wrong major then get the wrong job. If I, if I go to the wrong school, I might date the wrong person. And if I date the wrong person, then I might marry the wrong person. And if I marry the wrong person, then we're going to have the wrong kids. And if I got the wrong kids, they're going to do the wrong things. They're going to go to the wrong prison. And, <laughs> and then I'm going to find the wrong psychiatrist. And then I'm going <laughs> I'm exaggerating, but if we're being honest, not by much. Not by much. When we are in these situations in life, there is a phrase to describe that situation, and that phrase is called being in the dark. 
When we are in the dark, the reason why we are in the dark is because there's no way, there's no way to see where your decision is going to take you. And so when you don't know where your decision is going to take you, we have a solution that we attempt to implement into our life to resolve that problem. And that solution is, well, I'm going to just grab as much information as this situation as I can. I'm going to ask all my friends about this situation. And I'm going to find out all of the, of the safety ratings. And I'm going to find out all of the reviews. And, and, but the problem with, with information is, listen, you can, have you ever bought something on Amazon that had like 1,483 reviews and it were five stars? And then you bought it, and then you take it home, and you cannot figure out for the life of you why it doesn't work for you like it worked for all those people. And then you say the famous words we have all said at one point in our life, but it had such great reviews. I don't understand why it didn't work. The reason why it didn't work is because you based your decision on information, and information can only report on the past and the present. In other words, it can only tell you what has happened. Information can never tell you what will happen. And because information cannot tell you what will happen, the best that information can do is give you a prediction. But prediction is just a fancy word for guessing. And that's the problem, that we are making major decisions in life. And if we're honest, we just be guessing. Which is fine if you're playing charades, which is okay if you're down with some Pictionary. But it's not, guessing is not okay when choosing a spouse. Well, you know, they're cute. They got an okay job. I guess I'll spend the rest of my life with this person. Guessing is not okay when raising children. Guessing is not okay when deciding to empty out your bank account in some investment scheme that you don't really fully understand. Guessing is not good. And this is where the Bible excels where stats and statistics fail. Because the Bible presents not just information. Now, to be clear, the Bible has plenty of information. If you want to know more about what I'm talking about, look at week one of this sermon where we talk about how the Bible changes everything. And it has historical information, medical information. It has astrological information. And all of it has panned out to be true over the thousands of years that this book has been in existence. But the Bible is not primarily a book of information. I'm going to give you a new word that you can add to your theological lexicon, that you can add to your vocabulary as a Christian. And that is that the Bible is not just a book of information. It's a book of, here's the word, revelation. And revelation excels where information fails because information can only tell you about the past, but revelation shows you the future. Shows you the future. Now, I know that might sound mystical or weird, but it's not really. You actually interact with revelation on an everyday basis. When you get in your car, your driveway or your sidewalk, you get off the sidewalk, your sidewalk, you know, the city sidewalk, but you get off of it and you get in your car and you put in the directions to where you're going. There's a reason why we do that, even though we know where we're going most of the time. We do that because when we put in the destination into the GPS, your GPS will tell you if there's an accident on I-4. And if it tells you that there's an accident on I-4, it will also tell you, it'll say alternate route. Or if you got an Australian as your Siri assistant like I do, to tell you alternate, alternate route, that's what she'll tell you. Alternate route, alternate route, Orlando, Orlando, Kissimmee. <laughs> She's, she don't know how to say Kissimmee. So Kissimmee. And, and, and that's amazing. And did you know that you didn't just receive information? 
you received revelation because you just found out about something that you had not gotten to yet. The GPS said, listen, if you get on this highway, there is an accident on this highway. And if you go on this highway, you're going to get stuck. So let me show you this exit. And if you take this exit, you can save a lot of time on your trip. And that's what the Bible is. It's a GPS. It goes beep, 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 beep. Let me help you right now. If you stay in this relationship. There is an accident about four months up. And if you stay in this relationship, you will get stuck. But if you exit now, <laughs> but if you get off now, you can save about three years of your life if you get off now. <laughs> Let me help you right quick. I've got some revelation for you. He ain't good. Get out now. <laughs> and the reason why your GPS is able to do that is the same reason why God is going to be able to do that. Because as the satellite sits in the heavens, being able to see things from a perspective that you cannot see on earth, my God sits on the throne of heaven and he has a perspective. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your ways, than your thoughts. I can see things you can't see. So let me show you what's coming. I want to talk to you today how the Bible can help you make decisions. But would you like to know that? Would you like to learn how to make decisions? Okay. But I need, I, need, I need to come for some bad teaching because there's some weird, bad theology and teaching when it comes to how the Bible instructs us in our life. And honestly, it's just some weird stuff, like mystical stuff. And I'm not, and, and, and I, I'm not coming at anybody because honestly, I've done this too. So, so when I tell you that I've done it, it gives you permission to say, yeah, I've done that too. So I just wonder if there's anybody who's ever done this. God, I got a big decision to make. Lord, I know that your word is where I see, deci your word is where I see decisions made, Lord. And so, God, I just pray right now in Jesus' name. Father God, I just ask right now, Lord, that you would just guide this finger, Lord, to the place where, what would you have me do, God? Have you done it? Okay, me too, me too. And I just want you to know, sometimes, sometimes it works. But don't marry him because you did this, like... I'm just going to tell you, I've heard some cool stories that like, wow, that was amazing. But can I tell you my story? One day I was wrestling with some discouragement and I needed some direction. So I dropped it. Boom. Said, God, show me what you want me to do. And it was the book of John. And it said, and then Judas hung himself. I said, oh, heck no, that is not my word. That is not my word. No, Lord. Mm-mm. <laughs> Hey, it just, don't do it. It's weird. And it's not biblical. And it could mess you up. Somebody talking about Daniel chapter 7. Exactly. Babe, that's how many kids we need to have. Seven. It's the Lord's number. Seven. That's why your husband don't come to church because you're weird. Don't do it. It's not in the Bible. Don't, don't do it. Don't do math. 
you know, be like verse 3, chapter 8, 11. Hmm. That's how many days he has to get right, 11. And that's it. And then if he doesn't, I am closing the book on him. Like you just got it. It's not how it works. So I want to help you. I'm going to help you today. I'm going to give you three ways the Bible helps you make decisions. First off, the Bible clears the way, not with sight, but with insight. Not with sight, but with insight. What do I mean by that? Let me say it another way. The Bible does not help you see the future. It helps you understand present affects your future. And that is the difference between sight and insight. Between knowing what's going to happen, which is what we all want, that the Bible does not offer us, with understanding how our decisions today impact our future tomorrow. It's the difference between sight and insight, knowledge and understanding. And the Bible is after giving you understanding, not just knowledge. Psalms 119 verse 130, it actually says this seven times in this verse. Seven times. But I'm going to just give you one of them. The unfolding of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. Someone say understanding. understanding. This is how the Bible helps you make decisions. The reason why the 16-year-old pimple-faced teenager at the Geek Squad in Best Buy is able to fix your laptop and you can't is not because you don't know what a laptop is. And it's not because you don't know a laptop when you see it. You see it and you know what it is, but he has something that you don't. He doesn't just see what it is. He understands how it works. You know what a laptop looks like on the outside, but he understands how it works on the inside. And by understanding how it works on the inside, you've got in sight. In other words, he knows what input creates what output. He knows what to do to get certain results. And that is insight. And let me tell you something, insight is better than sight. Because there are some things that look good that ain't. And if you just judge them based on sight, you might make a bad decision. But if you've got insight, you'll make the right one. Proverbs 1, Psalms 119, same, staying in the same chapter, Psalms 119. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Precepts is a commandment. I do not stray away from them. I got to like that word snare right there because that word snare means a trap. Have you ever seen a snare for a bird or a bear? It usually, ha- that rhymed. It usually has some type of bait in the middle. So it makes you want to get it. But then when you go for it, it got you. And so it looks like a treat, but it's actually a trap. The Bible says, I'm going to help you with some insight so you can identify which treats are traps. Because some things look shiny, but we know not everything that glitters is gold. Let me give you an example. Let's say that you've got this upcoming treat and it's an affair. Yeah, you... And and, and what what makes this really good, not only is she fine, not only is he funny, not only is this exactly what you feel like you need at this season of your life to help blow some steam off and and rediscover, you know, get your, how Stella got her groove back and all this stuff. And you you look at all that. Not only is that, but but there's no way your spouse is going to find out. Because, you know, it's in another country somewhere, you know, you're deployed somewhere. There's no way you're going to find out. There's no way. And so it seems like a treat. Okay. Well, here's what it says in Luke. If you want to have the affair, have the affair, but understand certain things. 
Understand something. Luke 8, 17. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed. And nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Here's the difference between sight and insight, knowledge and understanding. I don't know if your spouse will leave you or stay with you. But here's what I understand. That everything we do in the dark comes out in the light. I understand that. I understand that every secret is going to come out at some point. Maybe not tomorrow. Maybe not this year. Maybe not next year. Maybe five years from now. But every secret will, be, will, will, will not be a secret forever. And so now that you understand, just understand that she or she is going to find out, make your decision. I don't know what happened when, when they find out. But I, I understand that that's how secrets work. This is understanding. So the Bible gives you understanding on how things work. Then you make the decision from there. Just know this is what's going to happen. Another one might be choosing friends. Choosing friends is a hard thing to do. Because there are some people, honestly, I did not like when I first met them. And then you hang out with them and you're like, y'all actually really cool peoples. I want to do life with you. This is great. And then there's some people that I thought would be my friend forever. And now I'm 35, 34, and I don't, I don't know how old I am. Somewhere around there. And... <laughs> And they're not anywhere to be found. So how do I know if the friends that I have in my life are going to stick with me forever? I don't, but the Bible helps us understand something about friends that might help you make a decision on which ones to bring into your life and which ones not to. Here's a good one. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 19. Gossips can't keep secrets, so avoid people who talk too much. <laughs> Here's why this is a treat that's actually a trap. Because when someone comes to you with gossip, here's how you interpret that. I can't believe they trusted me so much that they would tell me her business like that. I can't believe they trusted me. Oh, my gosh. Are we going to be BFFs? This is amazing. Like, but what you don't understand is that they didn't tell you the secret because they trusted you. They tell you the secret because they're a gossiper. And in the same way, that person shared that other person's secret with you. It is just a matter of time before everything that you told that person in the secret is going to be told to someone else. And so I don't know what friends I'm going to have forever, and I don't know which friends I'm going to have for a little bit, but I understand this about people who gossip. If I bring you into my life, whatever I tell you, I got to be prepared for someone else to find out. So I'm not going to tell you certain things that I don't want other people to hear because I understand how gossip works. And so it helps you understand the things that look good but are actually bad. And on the other hand, the Bible helps you make decisions because it also helps you understand the things that look bad but are actually good. The things that look scary but that you actually should not be scared about. Psalms chapter 23 verse 4, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. I love that word shadow because anything... Any shadow that is, that is scary, you know, a shadow is not really there. It's just a shadow. Like I remember being young, I had this closet in my, my bedroom that I swore was like a portal to hell. I swore. <laughs> I was so scared of the things living in my closet. Like I thought they were monsters and demons. And when you go up in church, you don't believe in monsters, but you believe in demons. And I thought it was a demon in my closet. And I would tell my dad, dad, there's a demon, demonio, in my closet. And he would, he would come out and say, son, it's okay. You don't have to be afraid. And then he would, here's how you do. He would turn the lights on. And guess what happened to the shadows when the lights went on? They disappeared. When you get scared, shine the light on your situation 
and watch the shadows disappear. Watch the shadows disappear. So I want to talk about one shadow in specific that I know we all struggle with, and it's the shadow of quitting. How do you know if you're supposed to quit or not? Because sometimes you, you need to quit. Like, I'm not going to come here and tell you there's some things that you shouldn't quit in your life. There's some things you need to quit. Because I know there's somebody in here right now who is like, is like thinking about quitting smoking. And he's like, nah, pastor said. You don't quit. Babe, I'm not a quitter. I'm going through these packs. One of the ten. <laughs> going through these packs right now. But I will not quit. I will finish what I started. Nah, man. The science is there. Quit. You know, it's not good for you. And don't go to vaping either. That's not good for you either. It's quit. It's quit. It's not good. But, but there are other things in life that are good for you but are scary and you're thinking about quitting because they're getting hard. So how do I make the decision to quit or not quit? My wife ministered to me this week because last Sunday was a big day for us. To, and I know for you too, to see this building packed to the rim and, and to see the lives come back to Jesus and it is amazing. And uh, she told me, said, I, I heard this song. It's this hip-hop song and I want to share it with you because I feel like the... The chorus really ministers. And, and I was like, cool, because when I think about quitting, if I'm honest, I can't even count how many times I've thought about quitting on Journey Church. Just the challenges and the difficulties that we had to face in this and some of the things that we've had to go through. And so I don't know if you'll recognize the song or not. It's a little older, but uh, it's a hip-hop song. You don't want to know my wife's uh, workout playlist. You don't want to know. Mm-mm. No, sir. She got a, a playlist uh, at the gym. And, uh, and he goes, I used to feel so devastated. I thought, how's it go? There were times we thought we wouldn't make it. Somebody knows it. But now we on the way to greatness. And this is the part that ministered to her. And all it ever took was patience. Patience. There's, when you understand patience, when you understand this concept called long obedience in the same direction. You know, I'm not going to quit this thing because it's hard. The only way I quit this thing is if God leaves me. And if God leaves me, then I'm out. Put up Psalms 23, 4 real quick. As I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil for what? So the question is not should I quit. The question is, is God still with me? If God is still with me, in other words, is it, is it in the Bible? Did he tell you to do it? Okay, then did he tell you to stop? If God is still with you, then you just keep going. Don't quit when it gets hard. Because I understand that anything in life that's worth doing is difficult. So I'm going to make it one more day and I'm going to make it one more week and I'm going to make it one more month as long as God is with me. Yeah. It looks scary, but it's just a shadow. Failure is a shadow. Disappointment is a shadow. Shine the light on it and see that God is still with you. That's how the Bible helps you make decisions. Number two, the Bible helps you make decisions because the Bible clears the way. Not by always telling us what to do, but by showing us who to be. Yeah. This is the difference between, I'll, I'll tell you these two words right now, precepts and principles. Precepts are the things that you do. The thing that you do. That's a precept. A principle is the thing that defines who you are. Matthew 22, verse 36 through 40, the Pharisees and the religious teachers of the day are trying to get Jesus in a corner. They say, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? What do I do? Help me make decisions. And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Did you know that in the Old Testament there are 613 rules? 
613 precepts, 613 commandments. And the, and the Pharisees were asking Jesus not to narrow it down because they wanted it to be simplified. They were asking him, which ones do I really have to do? So that I don't really got to do the other ones. It looked like they were looking for an explanation, but they were really looking for a loophole for disobedience. My kids do this all the time. I, I was, they were, playing, they, had play, they were playing too many video games for too long. And so they had reached their time. And we told them, we told them, we said, all right. I told Justice, I said, hey, man, uh, that's enough video games for today. No more video games. So he shut off the Xbox. No more video games. We went upstairs, took a shower, came downstairs. He's got his iPad. Playing video games. I'm like, bro, did you not hear me when I said no more video games? He said, oh, you didn't say no more iPad. You said no more Xbox. And I'm like, that is not the principle of it. If, if God were to tell you everything to do, then you would look for the things he didn't say so that you could have permission to do the things that are not good for you. And listen, and before you get on my son, you and I do it all the time. All the time. We'll be like, God, what you didn't say, you, you, said, you said don't get drunk. I know that's in there. I read it. But you didn't say don't get high. I mean, you didn't say it. And, and, and technically, you're right. Did you know that the Bible does not say you can't get high? Somebody in the 13th row right now is like, amen, bro. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so if you're looking for precepts, then I guess, I guess you found your loophole. But if the principle behind not getting drunk is that because when you are, you're not in the best mindset to make the best decisions, then maybe the principle still applies even if the precept doesn't. Maybe instead of asking God what to do, you say, God, help me to be a person that is in control of my faculties so that I can make good decisions that will help the people around me and help myself. There's a principle you know. People well, you know, I like to get high because it helps me escape from my problems. But there's a principle in the Bible that talks about not escaping your problems, but facing them, fighting them, and getting through them. And so you might use that as an excuse to escape. But the principle is, nah, because if you escape it on Tuesday, you're going to fight it again. You're going to fight it again next week. So let's get through it, not around it, not behind it. I know you guys, some of y'all, some of us, we'll be like, well, you know, the Bible doesn't say, it doesn't say you, 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 you can't cheat on your girlfriend. Matter of fact, the word girlfriend's not even in the Bible, Pastor. <laughs> it says you can't cheat on your wife. So I know we can't have more than one wife. But you didn't say you can't have more than one girlfriend. And technically, we're not even, you know, committed to each other. I'm not even know where this thing stands right now, you know. So, so technically, technically you're right. But there's a principle called faithfulness. And that principle says you ought to treat the person you're with like you're the only one. Because God treats you like you're the only one. It's a principle. I'm, I'm coming for you on this next one. 
Well, I know the Bible says we shouldn't steal. And I know the Bible says that we're not supposed to steal. And stealing is bad, and I get it. Thou shalt not steal. One of the commandments, Ten Commandments. But you didn't say that I could buy something from the store, keep the tag on. Wear it to the party and then return it the next day and get my money back. You, you, you didn't say, yeah, but there's a principle about dishonest gain. And if you don't embrace the principle, you're going to keep looking for loopholes and precepts and, and it's not going to serve you well. I'm just telling you, it's not going to serve you well. Instead of asking God, what do I do? Ask him, who do you want me to be? Can I help you right now? The next time you have to make a decision in life, don't ask God what to do. Ask him, who do I want to be? Who do you want me to be, God? If you want to be a good dad, do you know how many decisions are already made for you? If you want to be a good dad? If you want to be a good dad and your kids got a game on Saturday, you don't take the overtime pay. Because you already understand, I want to be a good dad. Decisions made. And I'm going to tell you, if you are not clear on your decisions... It's probably because you're not clear on your principles. But if you get clear on your principles, you will get clear on your decisions. I wrote it like this. Focus on who you want to be and you'll see what you have to do. You want to be a good husband? You want to be a good friend? Then, then, then the decisions are easy. The tough part is figuring out who you want to be. So the Bible helps you figure out who you want to be. And finally, the Bible clears the way not by showing you every step but your next step, but, but your next step. I got a little illustration to help me out with this. Yeah, not your every step, but your, but your next step. Can we kill the, the lights in here real quick? Nobody move around on anybody to trip. So stay seated until the illustration is over for your own safety. You know what we want God's word to be in our life? A flashlight. Yeah. I'm just messing with them. The, we want God's word to be a flashlight. You know why? Because a flashlight is built in a way we can see down there. So we're like, God, what do you have for me down there 10 years later in my life? Tell me what you have for me. And can I just tell you that God is not concerned. God is not concerned with what he is going to do 10 years later into your life. Because, because God already knows what he's going to do. He's going to be faithful. He's going to be good. He's going to be merciful. He's going to bless you. He's going to take care of you. This is what we want, though. No, God, but tell me. I need to know. Where is my life headed? Help me make decisions. Where am I going? And the Bible is not a flashlight. That's not what the psalm said. It didn't say you are a flashlight. It said you are a lamp unto my feet. And the difference between a flashlight and a lamp is that a flashlight can help you see 10 years down the road, 10 feet down the road. But a lamp can only. So the Bible doesn't help you take your 10th step. The Bible helps you take your next step. And when you take that step, it helps you take your next step. And then your next step, this is how the word of God works. It shows you your very next step. And by the way, there's a reason. It's pretty creepy, right? Ooh. <laughs> there's a reason. There's a reason why God doesn't show you the whole thing. 
Because if he showed you the whole journey, you wouldn't take the next step. You'd be so scared. You'd be so scared. If I knew from the beginning that starting Journey Church would require the death of my youngest son, I don't think I could have taken it. If you knew that marrying this woman who was going to pass away eight years after getting married from cancer, you wouldn't have married her and you would have lost the best eight years of your life. Because if God shows you the whole plan, you'll be too scared to take the first step. So God says, I'm not going to freak you out. I'm going to just show you, hey, I'm going to just, I'm going to, today. I'm going to just show you today. The other reason why he doesn't show you the whole thing is because if he showed you the whole thing, by the way, a lot of y'all are experiencing this right now, then you will waste so much energy worrying about tomorrow, you'll have none left for today. You can't even hear me right now. You can't even be in this room right now because you're so worried about what to do when you leave, what you've got waiting for you, what's out there. Some of us are so worried about our child missing out on their college education that we're missing out on their elementary grade school years because we're so focused on future things that we miss present things. So God says, I'm only going to light up today. And if you can decide what to do today, the right decision today, I promise you the right decision today will take you to the right place tomorrow. I promise you. And you know what? Hey, I'm preaching to the choir because everybody in this room today had a lot on your mind this morning. A lot on your mind. You had a lot on your heart. You had a lot on your spirit. You had a lot weighing down on your soul and you couldn't think about tomorrow and you couldn't think about next year and you couldn't think about years from now. But you know what you did when you got up this morning? You said, but I know my next step. But I know my next step. And you got up and you got dressed and you put on your clothes and you got your kids dressed and you walked outside and you opened the door to your car and you sat down and you turned on the engine and you drove. And you drove to church because you said, I don't know about 10 years from now, but I know my next step. And my next step, my next step is to come to the house of God. And when I get here, I pray, when I get here, the worship will start. And then worship will be my next step. And then I'll sit down and then the pastor will preach. And then receiving the word will be my next step. And then when I receive the word, I'm going to take it home. And application is going to be my next step. I just, I just. It's all I got, just my next step, it's all I got. It's all I got and it's all I need. Just my next step. Go ahead and turn the lights on. Stay standing if you will, we're gonna close. We're gonna close right now. Just the next step. It's what I needed, just the next step. I am so convinced, so convinced that you know, are you ready for this? Listen, this is it, this is what you waited to hear, the whole sermon. I am so convinced that you already know what your next step is. Because the next step is already clear, the very next step. I do not believe people lack the ability to see the next step. I believe we often lack the faith, the courage, and the willingness to take the next step. That's where we wrestle. That's what's hard, because we know what the very next step is. Like for some of y'all, the very next step is to go home and keep waiting on God. But you don't want to do that. You want to take it into your own hands. 
and make whatever happen that you're trying to make happen. But you and I both know what the next, the very, very next step is. Do you have the courage to take it? You know, I preach, I preach, and I love preaching. It's my, my, one of my favorite things to do in all my life. And you know what my favorite part is? Seeing it. God, I'll, I'll read a Bible verse, and, and it's just the way God wired me. I see it. I see the illustrations. I see the lamps. I see the flashlight. I see you standing. I see the testimonies that are going to be emailed at amen at journeyoral.com about what God helped you do. And I see it. I see it. I get so excited. I see the cool things, the way things are worded, and the title clear the way. I see it. I love it. I love seeing it. You know what my least favorite part about preparing a sermon is? Writing the sermon. It's a lot of work. And my screen, the, the cursor is just blinking on and off. And I feel like every time it does it, it's just laughing at me because like, I don't know what I'm doing. Ha ha. Ha ha. Yeah. You're getting nowhere with this. Ha ha. No one is going to receive. <laughs> Rebuke the cursor in the name of Jesus. I, I love seeing it. I hate doing it. You know what I've learned about people, you and me both? We want to discover God's will more than we want to do it. We want to discover God, but you will never discover God's will if you don't do God's will. Write this down, because we discover God's will as we do God's will. You want to know what God wants to do in your life? You, you find that out by figuring out what God wants to do right now. And if you do what God wants you to do right now, I, don't, one day you'll end up in a place and you'll say, how in the heck did I get here? Can I tell you, as I stand at this pulpit looking at you, I'm like, what? What even? How in the heck? Remember the coffee shop? And I'm just like, what? How did I get here? I didn't know this was God's will for our lives and the church. I'll tell you how we got here. Because one day, six years ago, at a gas station, this guy named John, with his wife named Rita, and their infant baby living in the back seat of their car, because John just got arrested and got, was in prison and just got, got free from prison, and he was in his car looking for a job. He had no money, and his car was running out of gas, so he pulled into a gas station. He tried to wait for the nicest person who he thought was nice to ask for money to fill up his gas tank so that he could get a full tank of gas to go apply for more jobs. And my wife was there. And, and, and he got out the car and he went up to Liz. And, and Liz, he said, excuse me, ma'am, this is my situation. Could you think you could fill up my tank so that I could go find a job? And my wife, having no idea that Journey Church would ever exist, told him, love people, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I don't know what God has planned for my life, but I do know that I'm supposed to love my neighbor, so filled up his gas tank. Then she goes, well, I just want to meet his physical needs. I want to meet his spiritual needs too. She says, hey, John, my husband and I work at a church. Would you like to come to this church? And pre she took the next step, invited him to church. Then John Arita took the next step, showed up. That Sunday, I happened to be preaching. My pastor asked me to preach on a Sunday, which he rarely did. And I said, well, okay, pastor, I was nervous and scared. But he said, okay, if, if, if you say so, pastor, I'll do it. I took the next step. John Arita came to the service, heard me preach. I took the next step. Does anybody want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? John and Rita took a step. They came to the front, gave, gave Jesus a chance. When they left, I took another step, came down to my wife. I said, can you believe what just happened? John and Rita, she's crying. She goes, I know. And then she says these words. She says, can you imagine if there were a place 
She said where Jesus could be accessible to anyone. I said, what are you, what are you talking about? You talking about starting a church? She goes, yeah, I think God might be asking us to start a church. I said, well, okay, well then I guess we'll take that step. And then I quit my job. That was a scary step. Moved to Winter Park, could barely afford the mortgage, took another step, but it was one step after 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 one step and now You discover God's will as you do God's will. And so I wanna pray for two people today. First person I wanna pray for right now is someone who's got a decision to make. I'm not gonna pray that God give you clarity for it because you and I both know, you know what the very next step is. So here's what I'm gonna pray for, that you have the courage to take one step. That's you, lift up your hands. I want to pray for you. you got a decision to make right now. You've got a big decision to make. Maybe it's a medium decision or a small decision, but you want God's guidance. I'm going to pray, not for, not for clarity. I'm praying for courage right now all over this room. Father, I thank you for everyone who has their hands lifted up. All those who have decisions to make on relationships to begin or end or homes to purchase or not or ministries to begin or not. or Father God, whatever it is in their life that they need direction on, Father, I pray that you would not just make it clear because you've already made it clear, but I pray that you would give them the faith Come on, I feel faith increasing in the room right now. I pray that you give them the courage. Come on, I feel courage increasing right now in this room. I pray you give them the willingness to step out and take the step that you called them to take. In Jesus' name, receive faith right now. In Jesus' name, receive courage right now. In Jesus' name, receive boldness right now. Step, y'all, step, 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 step. You will be where God wants you to be. Put your hands down. I wanna give one more prayer, one more prayer. And ask for anybody in this room, who does not know Jesus, or you have a, a far relationship with him, like kind of barely, almost, but not really. You know, as Christians, we have a word for people who are far from God or that don't really know Jesus, and I hate this word, because James, I know you're studying the Bible, it's not even in the Bible. This word, this, this terminology, for people who don't know Jesus, we say all the time, Pastor David, you heard in church your whole life, we tell them they're unsaved or not saved. But did you know that the Bible does not call people who don't know Jesus unsaved? It does have a word though. It's not unsaved, it's lost. Is there anybody here today who is in the dark? It's in the dark here. And I'm not just talking about decisions, I'm talking about your life feels like it is pitch black dark. Let me help you, you're lost but I know where you can find a lamp that will not just light up your way, but he will light up your life. Jesus said in the book of John, chapter one, I am the light of the world. Come to me. Is there darkness in your life right now? Are you lost? Be found today by giving Jesus an opportunity to light up your life. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You're in this room, online, you're watching right now. There's darkness surrounding you. Now's the moment to light up your life. 
the lamp has come to light up your situation and light up your heart all over this room. If that's you and you want to come back to Jesus today, you want to turn the light on in your life. When I say three, I want you to raise your right hand up to the sky as a signal and a sign. Jesus, I need you. All over this building, Jesus, I need you. If that's you on three, don't be ashamed or afraid or embarrassed of who's watching. I bet you're just as tired as I am of being in the dark. It's time to come into the light right now. On three, shoot your right hand up. Nobody's looking. It's between you and God. Let's come home today. When I see hands already coming up, they're not even waiting for the countdown. If that's you, I promise you won't be the only one. All over this building, one, it's time to turn the light on. Two, you don't have to be lost any longer. Your life can change in a moment, I promise. My life did. On the count of three, raise your right hand if you want Jesus in your heart. One, two, three, right now, all over this building. Come on, I'm not even going to count. Too many hands, too many hands, too many hands. Keep your hand raised, keep your hand raised, keep your hand raised, keep your hand raised. Keep your hand raised. Keep your hand raised. I love you. I love you. God loves you. This community loves you. You are not alone. Prepare for the light to get turned on. Every head by every eye closed. Repeat this prayer after me. If you raise your hand, and even if you didn't, let's support our new brothers and sisters in Christ. Father God, say it. Father God, I'm tired of being in the dark. No longer. Today, Jesus, you become my lamp. Light up my life. Come on, tell them, light up my life. Forgive me of my past. Show me my future. I step with you today. I receive you in my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.